And welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Before we get started, do want to remind y'all, you can subscribe on whatever platform y'all are listening on. Um, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, I believe is what they call it now, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, and you know, multiple other ones uh, you can listen on. Uh, on the Apple Podcast, leave the five-star rating. Um, I think we have one or two written reviews on there from like a while ago. Uh, but you can put written reviews in there. And if, if you want, you can put a question in there as well. Um, and we'll probably get put in the mailbag. If you put a written review in there, um, I've got to find a way to actually like um, review those because I use Anchor. Uh, so got to find a way to kind of uh, know when those drop rather than just going to the app. Uh, but I'll get all that uh, figured out. Uh, but again, you can listen to us on multiple, multiple platforms. Again, the five star review if you are listening on an Apple device. Um, and that seems to be the most popular device um, from what I can tell uh, on our statistics. Um, podcast has grown a lot this year. Um, as you know, the new year approaches, and this won't be the last one for the new year, but uh, you know, we launched this podcast back in September after taking about five, six months off. And um, the, the, the growth that this podcast has seen over the past, just from September to now, uh, has been tremendous. Um, you know, and obviously is not possible without the support uh, of y'all listening. Uh, so for all y'all who have, I know some of y'all over the summer who hadn't listened prior, like, hey, you know, you're going to hop back on. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I will. I'm, I'm just trying to get some things together, trying to uh, you know, reboot this thing and, and, and make it better. And uh, hopefully I've done that. I know I've received a lot of great feedback from y'all. Um, still not at the point that I want to be uh, with this podcast in terms of reach. And in terms of quality, um, the quality is a lot better than it used to be. Uh, going back and listening to some of those early ones makes you cringe a bit. Um, but we're not here to talk about the podcast. We're here to talk about the Big Ten. Um, as we continue our preview series. So for those of y'all who have not listened in a few weeks or if you know, just listened to this one for the first time, um, for the past three weeks or so, took last week off for the holidays, but uh, for the past few weeks, uh, we've been doing conference previews, early conference previews as I'm calling them because we still don't really have the schedules out for most conferences. We have tidbits of reporting of what schedules may look like, but nothing uh, definitive from the conferences or the schools just yet. Um, so we are early conference previews on this podcast. We've done the ACC. We've done the America East. And on Tuesday, we did the Big East. Uh, so you know, naturally, going in alphabetical order, today we move forward to the Big Ten. And you know, as I did with the ACC, 
we will not. So if you've listened to the America East or the Big East, you'll notice that um, I kind of identified a top two or three contenders, really broke those two teams down, and then um, provided more brief anecdotal things for much of the other teams um, in both the America East and the Big East. That's kind of the – that's what I will do for every other conference going forward. But for the ACC and the Big Ten, um, you know, those – they are the best conferences in college lacrosse. Um, you can debate which one is better all you want. Um, I, I get those messages all the time. Um, but what I've done for both of these conference previews are breaking down every single team. Now – yeah, I'll at the end I will tell you who I think my projected uh, order of finish will be in the Big Ten, just like I did in the ACC. But we are breaking down every single team, not necessarily just glossing, not necessarily breaking down two or three teams more than others, and then glossing over or just providing some anecdotal things from some other teams. Um, so let's get into previewing the Big Ten Conference. Again, one of the best conferences in college lacrosse. Uh, the newest conference, at least Division One speaking, because um, they launched in, what was it, 2016? Uh, Peach Belt Conference, I think, in D2 just launched this year. So they're the newest college lacrosse conference. But D1 speaking, Big Ten certainly the newest conference or might be these no SoCon launched the same year as the Big Ten, I believe. Uh, so I mean they'd be the same. But anyway, let's 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 get into this thing. And um, obviously the number one thing that you know we've got to talk about first and foremost is the Maryland Terrapins. And uh, you know, luckily this news dropped on recording here on a Tuesday uh, night. And this news dropped on Monday, was it like late Monday mornings, like 11.30, um, I feel like uh, was the time frame. Jared Bernhardt coming back to Maryland for a fifth season. Uh, if y'all remember, he had uh, a decision to make. Uh, go play D2 football at Ferris State. Uh, their season got pushed back to the spring. Or he could come back for an ex- extra season of lacrosse at Maryland. Obviously, uh, he chooses to come back to play his final season with the Terrapins. And, you know, this, having Bernhardt back, you know, early on in the fall when I was writing team previews and things like that, I didn't really know what to make of this Maryland offense. And, like, they had some really good guys on their offense, obviously. Um, especially on that attack line. Especially on that attack line. Um, you're talking about Wisnowskis on there as well. Who led, well, Wisnowskis led them in points at the midfield last season. And then you look at the attack. And you have Anthony DeMeo and Daniel Maltz. 
I don't think either of those guys are, um, like, neither of those guys strike me as Jared Bernhardt types. Uh, then you have Bubba Fairman, who I believe they've played at midfield and attack. Um, and Maryland kind of does play a positionless uh, type of game. Uh, and I've talked about that before. Really beautiful uh, offense they run there. Um, and really, I think, is what a lot of the game is moving towards. I think they approach it with more of a pro uh, mindset uh, than other teams. And it, it, it's obviously worked for them. Um, you know, they've won a couple, uh, one national title since Tillman's been there. They've been to multiple, been to championship weekend multiple times, obviously. Um, so it, it, it's working. And this, no, this offense, again, in 2021, is going to be stellar. And it was going to be stellar. But I did have questions about it. Um, and Bernhardt coming back, for me at least, solidified them as a top-tier offensive unit. Like, I didn't look at them as, because of the questions I had about them, I didn't look at them as this, you know, um, I looked at Penn State as the better offensive unit coming into the season without Bernhardt. With Bernhardt back now, this is the best team in the in the Big Ten. I think I think there's a I don't know how big of a gap it is, but there's a gap between Maryland and Penn State now that didn't exist mon- on Monday morning before that announcement. There, there was not much of a gap. I thought they were pretty neck and neck. I think there's a... I wouldn't call it a significant gap or a huge gap, but I think there is a gap. There's a gap in talent. Not talent, but there's a gap in how good these offenses might be perceived to be. And I think not that Penn State with... And we'll talk about them here in a minute. Not that they can't be the best offense in the Big Ten, but I think when you look at the questions that they have um, in terms of losing a mint, um, and it, hey, if you know, if Maryland would have lost Bernhardt, Penn State lost a mint, I you know that I think that equals out. Um, a mint is obviously the better player of the two, but I do think they were that QB type of guy for their team. And losing that is always tough. Um, so with Bernhardt coming back, it it elevates this 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 offense uh, a ton. And I know that's, that's a long winded way of, of of really expressing how much his him coming back impacts this offense. But it is it is huge. Like it is the biggest news in college lacrosse this like this month. Since Michael Sowers went to Duke, this is the biggest news. Like, no question about it. Um, I mentioned uh, DeMeo and Maltz will be on that attack. Uh, Wisnowskis is coming back, who led them last season in points. But they also got two stud transfers. And uh, Griffin Brown from Colgate and Eric Holden at Hobart. Um, Holden, pure goal scorer. Brown, pure goal scorer. And I I would say Holden's a more 
Um, he's a more balanced player in terms of scoring and feeding, whereas uh, Brown, at least last season, well, he had 21 goals and five assists uh, for a Colgate offense that was pretty good. Um, so you have Bernhardt, and I, I would expect both of those guys to start. Um, could they bump one down to midfield? Yes. You know, I'm not a humongous fan of this Maryland midfield. I think Wisnowskis is obviously really good. Um, Bubba Fairman, we'll see where they play him this year. Um, if they move him attack or midfield, you know, whatever. I you know I think he is primed for a big year. But we'll see what happens with, with, with these guys and how these transfers fit in. Um, and look, they've been there in the fall. Bernhardt has not. Uh, we'll see how that all fits in, how that works. Uh, Daniel Kelly uh, flipped late from Carolina to Maryland uh, out of Calvert Hall, a highly touted uh, prospect attackman, and Eric Malver out of Woodward Academy uh, down in the Atlanta area. He is a stud freshman coming in now, I think. And I wrote about this on the on the site uh, today, actually, uh, Tuesday, December 29th, that, um, you know, Bernhardt, him coming back, not only does it increase this team this year and make an impact on them, but the future will be impacted as well. Um, you know, it, it went from Lambeau to Bernhardt, and now Bernhardt to either Malva or Kelly. Like, both of those guys are uh, of that ilk. I don't know which guy is the more QB type, if you want to call it that, but uh, we'll see what happens there. And, like, if you remember, Bernhardt played midfield as a freshman. I could see either one of those guys playing midfield as a freshman. Um, maybe they put both out there. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I could see both those guys playing midfield as freshmen to get that uh, get that experience on the field in that system and then get bumped up to attack their natural positions next year. So this, like, I mean, I've been talking about Maryland offense for way too long at this point, but this is an offense that there's a lot you can do with it. And it's going to be really, really interesting, really, really fun to see how they work things out because – if they push the buttons right, this can be uh, one of the best Maryland offenses uh, that we've seen in quite some time. I would, I would say probably the best one since you Nolan know, DMC with uh, Lambeau and, and 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 those guys. Moving on to this uh, Maryland defense, which I'm actually a big fan of. I wasn't, um, I wasn't a huge fan of their defense last season. Uh, Nick Grill, obviously transferring in from Marquette last year. He's back for fifth season. And then you have Brett Maycar, who is a junior, and John Geppert, I believe is how you pronounce that, is a junior. That's their starting, um, that was their starting, you know, uh, close last year. Return all three of those guys. Uh, Geppert was an LSM. They bumped him to close last season. And he led the team in face-off, uh, excuse me, in ground balls outside of a face-off man. Um, so having him back, having May Carter back, who I'm a big fan of, as well as Grill. Uh, Grill 
You know, he had eight eight ground balls, six caused turnovers. I thought he uh, wasn't his best last year, but again, we didn't get a full season. Uh, we'll see how he does this year. Uh, in his second year in the Big Ten, he was obviously a huge part of that uh, Marquette defense. Now, one of two two of the biggest points of this defense, uh, for me at least this year, are. Uh, the, the potential goalie battle that we could see, and the LSM room. I think, I'll start with the LSMs. I think Maryland has the best LSM room in the country. Like, and you can't tell me otherwise. Um, so, obviously, they brought in Yale transfer B.J. Burnlace, uh, cause tone of a machine, transition junkie kind of guy. Um, he draws comparisons to Matt Newfelt, in my opinion, um, and I've said that since he was in high school. Um, he's a he's a stud, obviously a Maryland legacy. His dad, uh, Brian Burlace, uh won the Schmeiser back in I want to say the the eighties, late eighties. Uh, did he win a title for Maryland or take them to the uh, championship weekend? But he was a stud in his own right. Uh, Burlace's little brother. Uh, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, is a 2021 kid. He's committed to Maryland. Uh, he flipped from Yale prior to BJ transferring. Uh, so the Burleys brothers will be together uh, next year. Uh, so what, two, three years, uh, uh, if I'm doing the math right, at Maryland together, and we'll see how that ends up. Uh, but Burleys is a guy that, look, you can put him at LSM, you can drop him to close. I mean, he's... He's a very uh, dynamic kind of pole. And then, you know, you also have uh, Justin Scher, who was their top guy last year. Six ground balls. Uh, I think he had five cause turnovers or something like that. Don't have these stats right in front of me. Um, and then you also have Connor Whalen, who saw action uh, last year in one game. And then the guy I'm excited to see bounce back this year is uh, Michael Ubriaco. And if you remember him uh, when he was a freshman at Villanova, was an absolute monster, uh, absolute cause turnover machine uh, for the Wildcats, one of the best LSMs, one of the best polls in general in the Big East that year. He transferred to Maryland, but he had an injury last year, uh, I think in January in the preseason. So he sat out. Uh, and he's back this year. We'll see how he bounces back. But uh, they have a lot of different dudes in this LSM room that they can deploy in different situations that I think can be really, 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 really successful. Um, the goalie situation I mentioned, obviously you have Chris Brandau, who transferred in from Georgetown prior to last year. And then you have Logan uh, McNaney, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, he was a freshman starter last season. Uh, he started the final, like, he started the final two last year, I believe. And Brandau started the first four. Uh, McEnany was a stud. Brandau, I thought he could have been better. Um, personally, coming into this year, I would put my money on McEnany to start um, and Brandau to be the backup. But, you know, who, who knows what will happen. Uh, either way, like, 
and I'm not a fan of two goalie systems. If you know you've listened to these podcasts before, if you've read my stuff, you know I am not a fan of two goalie systems at all. I think it kills the chemistry on a defense. Um, it can work in certain situations, but for the most part, I'm not a fan of that. Um, could they possibly do that? I've had some people suggest that to me. I don't think they would. Um, again, like I said, it kills the chemistry. Uh, but again, we are in a COVID year, so I think having uh, de- having having no other year has depth been more important than this year. We've seen it in college football, and we're going to certainly see it in college lacrosse. Um, now, sticking in the state of Maryland, I do want to head on over to Baltimore and talk about Johns Hopkins, where Peter Milliman is a first-year head coach. And uh, there are some concerns, I will tell you, amongst the Hopkins faithful uh, about a season. Uh, but from everything that I've seen, uh, nothing from the school, at least, Nothing tells me that they are going to cancel a season. And I believe Hopkins, I can't remember where I saw it, but they did say, like, we're planning to play a season. Um, So, you know, we'll see what they do here in 2021. If, uh, you know, if their schedule is any different than uh, some of the other Big Ten. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, it will be Peter Millman's first season at the helm of the Blue Jays. Um. This is a team that, to be honest with you, like John Grant Jr. is a great offensive coordinator. Uh, Kostner is a great defensive coordinator. I have high praise for both of those hires, but it's the talent on the field and what they've done thus far that's got to change my mind. Joey Epstein is a stud. Like he he's, he's their best player, without a doubt. Uh, Cole Williams coming back is a... Uh, very, very good sign. And then we'll see what Brendan Grimes does as a highly rated uh, freshman coming in. But I'm just not ready. Like the jury, for me, the, I think Millman can turn things around at Hopkins, certainly. And in my preview, I said fast and then in parentheses ish. Um, and for me, what fast ish means is two years, I think we'll see a turnaround. No, I'm not sure what to expect of this team this year. Um, as I mentioned, like, you know, and they haven't had fall ball, so that's one thing. If they would have had fall ball, I would be much more high on this team because of the coaching staff. I love this coaching staff. Um, some of the brightest minds in lacrosse are at Homewood right now, and if you if you're a Blue Jay fan, that is no, no, no that is something to you know. Uh, you know, pump out your chest about that is something to be excited about. Um, you have two of the brightest minds on both sides of the ball, and at the helm of your program, at your school, at your program, at Homewood. Like, I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, Dave Fetchamala, Hall of Fame coach. I don't know if there's a better staff to come in after that than this, to be honest with y'all. Um, so offensively, like I'm a, I'm a fan of Williams. I think he struggled maybe over the past two years more than he should have. He could be much better. Obviously, Epstein, Epstein 
will be the guy. He's had some injuries. Want to see Grimes, what he can do as a freshman. Um, defensively, no, Ryan Dollarby returns in cage. He's and, and also, they get grad transfer Josh Kirsten from Ohio State. You know, we'll see who gets that, um, who gets the, um, the start there. I think that's a goalie competition to follow uh, in the preseason. Uh, Jared Fernandez, LSM, out of Syracuse, has transferred in. Uh, we'll see uh, how much of a, how much of a um, impact he makes. As as a transfer, and then also Owen McManus, and then sophomore LSM uh, Hunter Jaronski, I believe is how you pronounce that, are the top two returners on defense. So this is a and 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 look, you look at the at the, uh, the faceoff dot. Kyle Prouty went sixty one percent last year. Like I no, I really don't have much to say about this Hopkins team other than I think there's a lot of questions. There's, there's a lot of potential, but there's a lot of question marks. And the guys I mentioned, like I'm expecting those guys to play really, really good lacrosse. But as far as everything being put together and expecting wins, expecting a, you know, for me, at the minimum, I think this is a Big Ten tournament team. I do think that. Uh, and I don't know, again, 2021 with uh, COVID and everything, We I know some conferences are doing their normal tournaments. Some are going to do basically what everybody makes it. I don't know what the Big Ten is going to do. Um, if they do what everybody makes it, obviously there's no – uh, since in saying this team's a Big Ten tournament team because everybody is. Um, but I do think this is a team that has, I think for this year at least, that's probably their ceiling. And then in 2021, or excuse me, 2022, when you get some of these young guys like Grimes, Patrick Dean's on the defensive end, is a really good poll coming in. You get those guys in this 2021 class. Um, is pretty good, and the 2022 class they got coming in is really good. Millman's doing a great job recruiting. The staff is doing a great job uh, recruiting. They flipped some kids that you know, he brought with him from uh, Cornell and flipped to Hopkins. We'll see how everything pans out, but I do think this team is two years away at least from uh, getting back to the level that we know Hopkins lacrosse to be at which is competing for Big Ten titles every year, competing to be in the championship weekend picture every single year. Um, they're going to get back to that, but it's a process. And you know, th- this is a team right here, right now, that I don't have too much faith in, but I, I, I am higher on them than some other people are. But again, that... You know, my hype, not hype, but my belief in this team has diminished a bit because of them not being able to practice at all this fall. And with a whole new coaching staff coming in, we're just going to have to see. For me, at least, it's a wait-and-see type thing with this Hopkins team. Again, a lot of talent, a lot of potential. I just don't know if the chemistry is there 
to work and to uh, generate success. And by chemistry, I mean with the freshmen, with the transfers, and with the new staff to make an impact uh, day one, turn things around in year one. It could happen, um, but certainly right now, I don't think many people, including myself, are expecting a huge, huge turnaround uh, this season uh, at Homewood. All right, now we're heading up, staying in the mid-Atlantic area, but heading up north a bit to Newark, New Jersey, the home of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And Rutgers, this is a team, y'all know, I'm, I don't know how, I don't, this certainly is not the 2017 Rutgers team, this is not the 2016 Rutgers team, but I do have some faith in this team, and, you know, last year, though, let me, let me rephrase that a bit, no, last year, their midfield was good. Their attack was pretty good. Kieran Mullins is back for a fifth season. That's exciting. You have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have Adam Charlambides back. Um, and then defensively, Garrett Bullitt's been their best defenseman. Uh, but outside of that, um, not much to cheer about. Uh, the midfield spot, obviously, David Sprock, I thought was a breakout player last year. Ryan Gallagher, Tommy Coyne, Brennan Kamish, all played very well. Um, but outside of some of those pieces, and I thought the goalie play was 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 pretty decent um, last year with the two guys that they had. Um, and the uh, Cleveland State transfer, whose name is escaping me. Um, and then there was also the Binghamton transfer um, as well, who I think played back up. Um, oh, gosh, that name is escaping me. Um, I'll look that up here real quick. Um, but continuing on with this Rutgers team, uh, you know, the biggest question for them was um, Rousseau. That, that's it, Rousseau. Rousseau. Um, the biggest question for them uh, coming into the season, into this year, is how can they get that 71st face-off percentage ranking up? Yes, Rutgers was 71st in face-off win percentage last season. The only teams below them were Towson, now defunct Furman, RIP, and St. Bonaventure. They were a bottom five team in face-off percentage. Like, in today's game, and I mentioned all the pieces they had, in today's game, you can't have, you can have good, talented pieces, but if you don't win at the dot or have a defense that works well as a unit to counter, and I talk about this a lot, like the face-off position can counter a poor defense, and a great defense can counter a uh, poor face-off unit. Rutgers had neither last year. Um, now, I do, however, have faith in this face-off unit in 2021. 
Duna Joe from St. John's is coming over as a transfer. And as I look up his stats here, uh, last year he went 71% at the dot for St. John's. And he's coming in to Rutgers this year. And is, I mean, all likelihood going to step right in and be a starter day one. I, I really don't see any other way that he, like, I don't see any other way for him on this team because, honestly, like, the face-off position, for as awful as the defense was as a unit, you know, the face-off position was horrendous. Like, you're bottom five in the country. So, John Duna Joe coming in uh, from from St. John's to Rutgers, um, yeah, he went one one thirteen for two hundred five, so fifty five percent, not seventy one. He went fifty five percent last year um, at the dot. Rutgers as a unit, and he was third nationally in faceoff wins. Um, he was thirty fifth percent in win percentage. Um, yeah, he went eighty percent. And St. John's played Rutgers last year, pretty decent game. Um, he won eighty percent against the Scarlet Knights. So uh, there's that. Um, you know, having him in, I, I think, and, and I, I mentioned him in my article a few weeks ago, uh, under the radar transfers that can make a big impact. He's number one on that list. Like I'll be blunt with you. He's number one on that, on that list. Um, cause he's going to have a huge impact on this team. Now, another impact transfer, um, on the and they do have a couple uh, impact transfers on the defensive end that I'll get to in a second. Uh, but the biggest name transfer, Connor Coast from Villanova at the midfield spot. And I mentioned Villanova had a really solid midfield unit last year. I was certainly a fan of it. Um, yeah, you know, Sprock, Gallagher, Coin, and then Kamish, who I've been a fan of since he was at Detroit Mercy. Um, Plug Connor Coast into that mix. Like, this is a midfield unit that's one of the best in the nation. I thought they were a fringe top 10 face-off. Uh, excuse me, a, ten, a fringe top 5. Yeah, a fringe top 5 midfield unit um, coming into the season anyway. And then, oh, excuse me, after last season. Um, and then... I think they've elevated to a fringe top three, maybe. Uh, top five. Um, I said top five last time, didn't I? I'm going to say top ten. Um, but no, anyway, this unit is better than they were. Like, they were already pretty dang good. They're even better now. And then um, at the attack spot, obviously... You look at Mullins and Charlton Beatties, like those two guys are absolute studs. Like they are some, I mean, they got some dudes on attack. They got some dudes on midfield. Like I don't, and being able to get the ball this year will be nice. It will be really, really nice. Uh, They're going to get the ball this year and they're going to go to work. This is a Rutgers offense that I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see. Um, just how good they can be. Especially, again, with Dunajo at the dot, 
to get them the ball. <laughs> now, I mentioned uh, the additions at the uh, face-off dot to address those issues. Um, I got to mention the and, and the uh, addition of Coast, which elevates the midfield unit, which was already pretty good. Um, I got to mention the transfer, uh, the transfers on the defensive end. So they got uh, Colin Coast, who is obviously the younger brother of Connor Coast, uh, from Lehigh. He's a goalie. And then short stick defensive midfielder Brian Ward from Yale, who I believe could also play LSM. Uh, I read somewhere that he played LSM, uh, picked up a pole for a couple times um, for Andy Shea up there in New Haven. So uh, we'll see where they put him exactly. But uh, two big guys there. And, um, you know, I think you know, Coast and Russo, it'll be exciting to see that goalie battle going on. And again, as I said with Maryland, like it's a this year, depth matters more than anything. And having these two goalies here, like it, this is that's that's huge for Rutgers. Like Russo was a solid goalkeeper uh, last year. Coast was solid at Lehigh. Having both those guys in, and I, they're both starting caliber, obviously. Um, and we'll see. You no. Know, May the best man win the job, but I mean they're gonna have uh, a pretty good battle on their hands, and you know pretty good depth at that position. Um, I mentioned Garrett Bullitt is obviously I'm a big fan of his. I think he's he without a doubt is their best uh, defenseman. Uh, Jared uh, Gene Felix uh, was a, a solid guy last year. Uh, he's a senior, and then Zach uh, Mesa is also a senior as well. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Again, like I say every podcast, if I butcher any names, just let me know um, the right pronunciation, if, if you do know. And uh, obviously apologize for mispronunciations. I am very bad at, pronunci- at pronunciations. Always have been. Always will be. Um, I've tried to fix it, but not very good at it. Uh, back on track here now. Um, you no. Know, this is a experienced defense. Like, Bullet is a fifth-year guy, I believe, and then uh, Gene Felix and Mesa are both uh, seniors. And then you have a junior in Ellison, Ethan Rawl, who uh, is another impact guy coming back on, on this defense. Um, and I know last year and in prior years, this is a defense, and I mentioned, that's had good pieces but they haven't played well as a unit. With as much experience, I think that could certainly change this year. Um, and if it doesn't, again, they got Dunajou at the faceoff dot who can counter bad defensive play as a unit. So Rutgers, it, no, still some question marks. Uh, they're still searching to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 16 years. Uh, and, hey, you know, I, I think they're definitely a team that, that improved in the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they put things together. I uh, certainly don't think they're a top-two team in the Big Ten, but uh, they're definitely one that could contend uh, in this conference this year. Moving a bit farther up north, 
to the defending Big Ten champions. Yes, you can still say that. I've been saying uh, Virginia defending uh, national champions for two years now. Um, obviously, we had no tournaments or anything last year. So, yes, you can still say that. Um, Penn State, the Penn State Nittany Lions. This is a year for Penn State that, you know, I still think they're a top two team in the Big Ten. And as I mentioned, like, I'll give you all my projected um, finish uh, in the Big Ten at the end of this podcast. But I honestly do think this is a Penn State team that is still a top two team in this conference. Um, They went five and two last year. The, they lost to number three Yale and number seven Cornell, uh, but and they looked. You no, know, last year I said was going to be the year Penn State. I thought they were going to win the title. Um, I you know I don't necessarily believe that this year uh, because they lose a mint, and losing a mint means losing thirteen goals, thirty one assists. I'll repeat that for y'all. 13 goals, 31 assists. That is what they lose in Grant Ament. Elite passer, elite player, a generational type talent. And look, you don't walk around pointing out generational type talents on the street. Those are special players. Ament was one. Sowers is one. And you could say Spencer Spencer was one as well. Sowers and Ament um, still playing lacrosse at college and pro level. Pat Spencer, best of luck in the NBA to you, sir. Please come to the PLL whenever you want to. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Penn State, losing Grant Ament is huge. Like, I don't want to understate that at all. It is huge. But... But, 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 they have Mac O'Keefe. Mac O'Keefe played Robin to immense Batman for, what, two, three years? One of the best duos in college lacrosse. The thing is, O'Keefe was the goal scorer, Ament was the passer. Is O'Keefe now going to be the QB type? I don't necessarily see his game trending to that tr- trending in that um, in in that way. Uh, but this is his offense now. This is Mac O'Keefe's offense. He is the guy on campus on this offense. Like this is his offense. Grant meant when 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 he left, I'm pretty sure he left some Ferrari keys sitting. In Mac O'Keefe's locker with a note that said, it's yours. Like, I'm pretty sure because this dude just was handed the keys to a Ferrari. Like, this offense is still going to be really, really good. Um, O'Keefe, I mentioned, is the guy on this offense now. You got TJ Malone, who was the you know, third that third wheel on attack. Jack Kelly is a senior. He's back, uh, the top midfielder. And then also, Dylan Folds, the most underrated player on this offense. 
Dylan Folds, the uh, Port Coquitlam uh, BC native, 10 goals, 2 assists. He is a natural attackman. Um, and then also Canyon Birch, who uh, was a freshman last year. He's a redshirt. He played one game, is a redshirt freshman this year. We will see where they put him. Midfield attack, I, I, I don't know. It's much like a Connor Schellenberger situation at Virginia. I don't know where they'll put him, but he was an elite player in high school. Um, he only played against Lafayette. He didn't do anything on the uh, – he didn't, like, score or have an assist. He had one ground ball. So we'll see how he translates to the college game. I'm expecting him to translate pretty well. Um, I believe he's the all-time leading scorer in the state of New Jersey in high school lacrosse. You don't get that by accident. This kid is a stud. This kid is someone who can make an impact at the college level. How much of an impact will he have in 2021? I do not know, but I am predicting him to have a uh, breakout, and I'm doing the air quotes, breakout season, if you will. Um, Could he be their feeder? Could he be that passer? Could he be that QB type? Could um, maybe we're all fooled. Maybe Ament gave the keys to this Ferrari to Canyon Birch and not Mac O'Keefe. I don't know that. I don't know anything. Um, I just know this is a good offense. And yes, losing Ament is tough. And I would not want to be Jeff Tambroni heading into this year. Having to lose a Met. But one thing we know about this Penn State squad, they will not just grant a Met. Mac O'Keefe is a stud. Dylan Folds, like Dylan Folds, I would expect him to play attack this year. He played a lot of midfield last year. Um, TJ Malone is also a guy that's a tweener type, can play attack or midfield. Um, and then I miss, mentioned Birch. Like, we'll see what happens on that attack spot. Uh, at that attack position with this team. A lot of options they could go. Jack Kelly back at the midfield. Uh, we'll see what he does this year. But this is an offense that just because they lost, what was it, 13 goals, 31 assists from Glenn uh, What is that, around 50 points or something like that? Just because they lost that does not mean they can't get nothing done. Um, and then also, they're going to have the ball back. Gerardos, they're going to get the ball. They're going to get possession. Gerardo Sari is back. One of the best face-off men, not only in the Big Ten, but in the nation. Um, he went 51% last season at the dot. Obviously, he's been a dude uh, for the past few years that's been very, very impressive. The one thing I will say about Arcelli, you know, I'm a big fan of his in terms of what he does on uh, the Big Ten stage. The one thing I will say about him and I've taken some heat for saying this before, but the one knock on him is he wins. He, he can win those tough competitions in the season, in the regular season. But what he did, his performance against T.D. Irwin and against T.D. Irwin, but he went 50% with him in the regular season, and then he gets blown out by him in May. In the uh, was it the semifinals in 2019? That performance from him still sticks in my mind as something that is inexcusable. 
that is embarrassing, that is that is something that, as a coach, I would have benched him. No, no joke. And I don't care. TD was the best faceoff man in the country. You went fifty percent with him, and you're telling me that you studied his film. He studied your film from last game, and he he came up with such a better game plan than you, or than 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 than, than uh, you did with all the coaching staff. That you can't. Go fifty percent with him again, like you're not. We're not getting everything out of you. That's the one knock I have against him. Again, I think he's a top three faceoff guy in the country. Went fifty one percent last year. Is gonna be a top guy again this year. He succeeds in the in in the in the regular season against Big Ten competition, against top tier competition in the regular season. But come playoff time. Uh, come championship weekend, he has failed. And that's the one knock I have on him, that I want to see that change. I want to, if this team does indeed make championship weekend, which I think they can, I don't think they're going to win win the whole thing, but I think they can make championship weekend. And if they meet Yale, I, that's the one thing I want to see Gerardo say, come out there, like, show me you got some dog in you, and you go out there and you compete. You do every single thing you can to knock that dude off his game. I, no, I don't think he did that in 2019. Uh, certainly he went with the game plan. And certainly a bit of that's on the coaches. Um, but you got to improve on that. So that's my Gerardo Silly rant from that game. Um, and why I don't... Not that I don't believe in him, but that I don't... I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket in the postseason with him, post se. Now, Penn State, moving to the back end here, their defense was, like, they, the improvement they showed from 2019 to 2020 was phenomenal. They were third, and again, we only had a, a partial season, but still, um, they were 32nd in scoring defense in 2019 and ended the 2020 season tied for 29th. That's a pretty good jump. Like 32 to 29, it's not it's not stellar, but it's good. It's progress. And with Colby Kinese returning for the fifth year in goal, Nick Cardiel back. As well as uh, defenseman slash LSM TJ uh, Con- uh, Con- Conlin, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, with both those dudes back and Colby Kinney's back, this is a defense that I'm expecting to take another step forward in 2021. And look, Cardio missed two games last year with an injury. Um, so he could play even better this year. Um, coming off uh, a injury prone uh, 2020 season. And then you also have, have, have Brett Funk, who was a uh, full time starter last year at close as well. So you were turning you, essentially your entire defense. And I think this is Penn State defense is going to definitely take a step forward in 2021. Um, another defense, which I think honestly is the best in the Big Ten is Ohio State. The Ohio State Buckeyes, they 
not only did they grab grad transfer goalie Alec Van D. Brogenkamp from Furman, they also got Eric Wenz, a transfer from Hofstra. Both, like, Bavogenkamp was probably the most underrated goalie in the country, like, no joke, just because of playing in the SoCon and for Furman. Like, he's, he, go watch his film, he's impressive. He's probably going to be the starter. Like, no joke. Um, Eric Wenz, the, like, I don't remember statistically if he was the top guy at Hofstra, but he was like one of the he was the best pole in my mind. Uh, if you just watch him on film, what he does, you know, both guys impact players nonetheless on the back end for their respective previous schools. Um, and then on top of getting those two guys, you return Jeff Henrik for a fifth season, who uh, has, has, has been a uh, has been a stud for them, uh, has been their top defenseman. And then you also get sophomore Jacob Snyder, who started uh, was a full-time starter last year. And then you also get Ben Williams, who started uh, all but one game last year for the Buckeyes. So you not only return a unit, a pretty cohesive unit, but you also get two guys and – I mentioned Kosen transferred, and then oh, old boy went to Jacksonville. Uh, Tomei, Christian Tomei, dude is look. Hey, I saw him on IG the other day, looking like Scott Rogers. Um, seriously, go go check Christian Tomei out on on Instagram, dude. Dude, he, hey, he's he's gonna give Scott Rogers a run for his money in terms of uh, Scott Rogers lookalike. I mean, he really. And in the weight room, he's going to give Scott Rogers a run for his money. I'm not joking. Um, so he's gone. And Bo, uh, Camp, uh, D. Bovogen Camp is coming in. It'll be the starter. Wins coming in for Hofstra. Going to be a stud on the back end. Um, so that defense, like, I think is – they proved a lot last year. And they were a top 10-ish kind of defense last year. Top 20-ish defense. Um, okay, they were – 18th in scoring defense last year, tied with Hofstra. Um, and they were 11th in clearing percentage. Uh, round that up to 89%, 0.889 um, in the clearing game last year. So a very effective defense. Um, we'll see how Bovenkamp and Wins fit in, but just from a talent perspective, should be pretty good. Um, and then also... Ryan Terefinko, who plays both ways, will be back as well. Um, he's been the leader of their SSDM unit, and he's also a stud, uh, can be a stud uh, on the offensive end when he wants to be as well. And you now this is an Ohio State offense. I'm not, I'll say this, I'm not like super duper high on, but I do think they're going to be pretty good. Um, Trey LaCoya is obviously a, a, a stud, uh, 26 goals, 6 assists last year. Uh, he's back for the fifth year at the attack spot. He's a game-changer, a playmaker, and you know, he's been that kind of dominant offensive guy since he stepped foot on campus in 2017. Um, so we'll see how he does uh, coming in as a fifth-year guy. Oh, excuse me. 
coming back for the fifth season. Um, I think he's going to continue his his success, and, and remember, we could see him have his best season ever. Um, I, I think there's still a lot left in the tank for what he can show us at the college level. Um, and then they also get back Jack Myers and Jackson Reed, who were uh, starters at the attack spot last year as well. Um, Myers, a junior, Reed, a senior. So you return your entire starting attack. And then Griffin Hughes, Johnny Wiseman, and Grant Mitchell are three of the top midfielders from a year ago. Uh, Mitchell uh, is a guy that I'm really intrigued about. Um, he's from Georgia. Uh, he's a twin brother. Oh, I cannot remember his name. Name escapes me at the moment. But they're both at Ohio State. They're from the Atlanta area, transferred to Calvert Hall in uh, Maryland, helped them on that MIAA three-peat, and now at Ohio State. And he's a dude, he stepped up. He had eight points last year. I liked what I saw from him. I think we can possibly see even more from him this year and really see him maybe take over this Ohio State midfield unit, which is a little... Not that they're bad, but they are lacking a bit as far as we're, as as far as some of the other Big Ten opponents are concerned. Um, they're lacking a bit at that spot, so I think he could he could step up and, and possibly have a big year. Uh, but this is Ohio State offense overall. Like I'm not super duper high on, but I think they can certainly uh, compete. Certainly, uh, this team overall can contend uh, in the Big Ten. Obviously, the biggest name for them coming back is uh, at the faceoff dot Justin Anasio, and uh, you know I said this offense isn't doesn't like I'm not super duper high on them, but with Anasio, I think they they're gonna get the ball enough to prove me wrong. Certainly. Now we move to our last team in this preview, the Michigan Wolverines. And this is a program that myself and you know many, including myself, have said is a sleeping giant. Um, you you freaking Michigan, and, and I know a lot of y'all read my article back in I want to say July, uh, June or July maybe. No, it might have been in May. Whatever over the summer, where I talked about how Power Five, P Five, um, no FPS is what I should say. Schools are going to dominate lacrosse, and you know, some of y'all old school dudes might want to say RIP to the Ivy League, especially after some of the decisions they have made. Um, and I was just talking to someone yesterday, uh, a high school coach yesterday, who you know mentioned to me the the, the Ivy League is is in trouble when it comes to uh, recruiting. Uh, Yale might be able to save themselves. Cornell might be able to save themselves. But the Ivy League might be in trouble if they continue on this idiotic path. Um, not talking about the Ivy League right now, so I digress from that. Uh, but the point of saying that was saying that, yo, Michigan, look, Michigan's rising, y'all. Like, Michigan lacrosse is rising. I, I'm not going to get all, you know, they're going to make the Big Ten tournament. They could, if, again, like I mentioned, if they 
change the rules. Uh, they shouldn't. It's stupid, but we know the Big Ten likes to change rules for certain teams all the time, and uh, certainly Michigan wouldn't get the rules changed for them. Uh, but I bet better score in Columbus would. Um, but Michigan, like, if if considering things stick as normal in the Big Ten, like, they could be a Big Ten tournament team. Like, no joke. Um, they've been recruiting out the wazoo, and they get some they get some dudes this year. Um, Michael Bowen at attack, and then out of California, and then Kyle Stevenson's a stud um, uh, midfielder out of Seton Hall Prep in New Jersey. Uh, both top 30 dudes by inside lacrosse. Uh, and then also, um, I'm excited to see what Tyler Papa, who is a grad transfer from Limestone, a D2 powerhouse, uh, what he does in this offense. Uh, I, I think he can be pretty successful, um, and he's coming in uh, at that midfield spot. And the midfield is where we saw the most production last year and where Michigan, where the best player on this team sits. And that player would be one Josh Zawada. Uh, as a freshman last year, 16 goals, 16 assists. Like he is an – and if, if you follow recruiting, you follow high school across, like you knew this kid was going to be special coming in. Under Armour All-American and all the accolades, right? Like you know, he, you knew he was going to be special coming in and that he could be like the guy – and you knew that last year's class, freshman class, could be like the class that um, transforms Michigan lacrosse, starts this ascent upwards. I And obviously last year was cut short, so I think that was a little um, – they could have done more with what we saw from them last year. Like they certainly could have uh, – we didn't see them against Big Ten competition is what I'm getting at. So this year we will. And it's going to be exciting to see what this team looks like. Uh, what Zawada looks like. What Bonomi looks like, who was a freshman at the midfield spot last year as well. And then, obviously, Alex uh, Bukanavich uh, as a senior at the midfield spot. He's been, a, he's been a dude since he stepped on campus. So those three guys, you know, Michigan is one of the best midfields in the country. Um, and, well, not one of the most – well, I wouldn't say the top five, maybe top ten unit um, in, in, in the country. Um, and certainly Zawad is the leader of that group. Uh, but this offense is a far cry from being a uh, midfield heavy. Well, they are midfield heavy, but they're uh, far cry from being like a, a only midfield unit, if you know what I'm getting at. Because uh, Bryce Clay, Kevin Mack uh, were their top two goal scorers uh, last year. As we were... Two of their top three. Clay was their top goal scorer. Uh, Mack was their third. Uh, Zawada was the second. Um, so, you know, they were both studs at the attack spot, and obviously the top two dudes at attack. Uh, we'll see how that whole unit progresses. Um, but I, I think this Michigan offense is going to be pretty dang good again this year with Zawada leading the way. They also have um, some pretty young dudes. Um, like, their defense, they were very young in terms of, um, like, 
because they they do have some seniority on that team. Um, but not seniority, but they do have some uh, like veteran dudes. Um, but last year they were pretty young, and they were amongst the bottom half of D one. So, you know, while Michigan's offense and you know you can talk about Zawada all you want and and how special of a player he is, this defense has got to step up. Um, you know, Andrew Darby uh, was the top poll last year. He's coming back. And then Ryan Schreiber, who was a freshman last year. You know, I remember watching him in the Under Armour, Under Armour All-American game, and I hadn't gotten to see him in a full-game setting um, in, during his high school career. And, like, he just blew me away. And he had a really good freshman season. Wasn't um, I don't think he played every single game, um, but I know he played very, very well. Um, and Drew Schaffner... As a junior, uh, last year as a sophomore, he started in six contests last year. Um, I believe Michigan played in seven. Uh, he started in six of those contests last year, and uh, I expect him to have a good year as well. Uh, but when you look at how young this off this defense was, excuse me, uh, how young this defense was last year, and then having a, a at least a partial year under your belt what they can do in 2021 does look promising. Um, and then also you have Matt Trowbridge uh, in Cage, and I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get, Trowbridge or uh, Kalafo, I believe is how you pronounce that. Uh, Kira Kofi? I don't know. Again, I told you I'm bad at pronunciations, but both those two dudes uh, started – games. Trowbridge started the first six. I can't remember if it was an injury or um, or what, but um, uh, both those dudes did see starts. I would expect Trowbridge to get uh, the start, though, again this season. And, uh, like, he's... No. Both dudes have clearly shown they can anchor a defense. Um, at the face-off dot, you know, Michigan hasn't been too too good since they lost Brad Lott. Um, which I think he when he graduated 2017, 2016. They haven't been uh too too good, but uh last year they went fifty five percent. Uh I mean Nick Rowlett went fifty five percent at the dot for them. So we'll see how this Michigan team does. Um I don't think they are a top fl- a top flight team yet, but there's certainly a lot of young talent on this squad. That makes you believe something special is cooking up in Ann Arbor. And uh, we could see some pretty exciting stuff going forward from Kevin Conley and his dudes up there. Um, and what are the, what do they call it? The Mitten State, something stupid like that. The Wolverine State, um, I believe is another nickname for them. Let's get to uh, my projected order of finish for the Big Ten. First and foremost, the Maryland Terrapins. Mention them. I think they're the best team in the conference. I think I think they just have too much talent everywhere. Um, front to back, they're the best team in the conference, like without a doubt. Number two is Penn State. 
Um, I, you know, I do like their defense more than I've ever liked uh, a Penn State defense in the past couple seasons. Uh, O'Keefe's a stud, Foles is a stud. They, they've got a lot of dudes on that team that I can see them uh, making a push for championship weekend yet again. Um, I think those two are the top two teams without a doubt. And I do think there is a bit of a drop-off from one and two to three. Heck, I think there's a bit of a drop-off from one to two, like in terms of a gap. But it's not that big. And again, uh, I do want to see how both Penn State and Maryland, how their offenses work and how things work out with some of these uh, transfers and with some of these losses. Um, As I mentioned, obviously, with Penn State having a big loss and Maryland getting a big fifth-year guy coming back uh, just announced on Monday. So those two teams, top two without a doubt. Um, And back in the fall, I kind of teetered with Penn State one, Maryland two, like teetered back and forth. But ultimately, like you take a look at the full scale of each team, Maryland is without a doubt the most talented team in the Big Ten. They're in the best position to make a championship weekend run. Penn State could certainly do it. I know what I... No, if you said they could, I'm not going to argue with you, but Maryland is definitely the best team in this conference. So those two teams are in a class of their own, I would say. Number three, Ohio State. Again, I like this defense. I think they might. I think they're more of an underrated defense. Uh, We'll see how things work out with them. Uh, But I do like this defense. I think that's their strength. Their offense, I think, is kind of okay, but has potential. Um, Rutgers is kind of flippity-flop. I think the offense is pretty dang good, especially midfield with Coast coming in. Uh, But the defense, I do want to see more out of this year. I mentioned they've had good players, but they've never had a good unit. I do want to see this unit as a whole step up and be good this year. Uh, Dugino coming in at the faceoff dot. Um, again, I'm going to hammer that point home. John Dugino, remember the name, fellas. John Dugino will transform this Rutgers Scarlet Knights team in 2021. So they're the fourth team. And then number five, going with Michigan. And number six with Johns Hopkins. Michigan, I love the young talent they have there. Um, any other year? So if, if, if Hopkins... if Hopkins didn't have a new coaching staff and didn't have fall ball and all of that. They would be fifth, and Michigan would be sixth. But because of that, I'm putting Michigan up there. Uh, mentioned I do like the direction that Johns Hopkins is going in, but I think it'll be two years before we see them get back to the level that we all want them. I think it's good for Hopkins to be good and to be a competitor. Um, I think it's good for the game, uh, but I do think it will be a few years before we see them get back to that level. Michigan, I mentioned, is on the rise, and it'll be exciting the next few years to see what they can do, certainly with a lot of young talent on that squad this year. So uh, to recap that little portion, my projected finish in the Big Ten is Maryland at number one, Penn State at number two, Ohio State at three, fourth is Rutgers, fifth is Michigan, and sixth is is Johns Hopkins. 
That's my projected order of finish in the Big Ten. And that is it for today's show. Again, thank you all for listening. You can uh, catch us on, as I mentioned in the opening, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other ones that I have no clue what they are. Um, you can connect with us and send us your questions uh, to the mailbag for Sunday's mailbag episode. Oh, excuse me. Um, via email, contact at lacrossebucket.com. We have a contact tab on the website, uh, lacrossebucket.com, that you can use as well for that. Um, also on social media, at lacrossebucket on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Tanner underscore Dimling. And I will see y'all on Sunday for a mailbag episode.